coming up here on Otherwise on, on SAFM right now, it's Otherwise Talking Women. And what we're talking about today, Wednesday, it's our help desk. We're talking about bipolar disorder. What is it? Is it affecting you, your family? What are the causes and how do you cope? That's what we're talking about today. So if you'd like to join us, you're most welcome. And interesting to know that included amongst the people, famous people who forgot uh, bipolar, had bipolar, Bobby Brown, Charles Dickens, Stephen Fry, Mel Gibson and Ernest Hemingway. So there you go. If you've got it, you're in good company. But it's what we're talking about, so join us. 0892 10 2010. But right now it's one o'clock. Time for the news uh, with the Sander Mazzoniani. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The AG confirms investigation into Gupta saga and warnings for learners ahead of Biba concert. That's in the news this hour. Good afternoon. The Auditor General, Terence Nombembe, has confirmed that his office will investigate the use of state resources by the Gupta family. This is in relation to the landing of a privately chartered plane at the Vatatkluf Air Force Base in Pretoria. Earlier, the Democratic Alliance said it had received a letter from Nombembe's office saying it would investigate the Gupta family saga. It's the latest in a series of probes by various departments after a chartered plane carrying at least 200 wedding guests made a controversial landing at the base. Businessman Atul Gupta says the family is saddened by what he terms alleged racism and xenophobia driving the current debate in the country. He's issued a statement following a report that the mayor of Newcastle in northern KwaZulu-Natal, Afzul Rehman, was called a Gupta by a traffic officer. Rehman has laid a complaint with the South African Human Rights Commission. The Guptas are also accused of alleged racism against black employees at Sun City. The South African Medical Association says it hopes the investigation into the cost of private health care in the country will be fair and transparent. It was reacting to government's announcement that the competition authorities would launch an investigation into the private health care industry. Chairperson of the association, Dr. Mzuki Sikhwat Buam. We feel that it is a necessary exercise from the point of view of us understanding what are the real cost drivers. That is important for us to establish that once and for all. We further are hoping that the whole process is going to be a fair one, a transparent one. We would want the whole process to be transparent and not be used as a small screen to control prices. President Jacob Zuma says low levels of intra-African trade continue to hamper the continent's economic growth potential. He's been speaking ahead of the World Economic Forum, which will resume in Cape Town tomorrow. According to the World Bank, Sub-Saharan Africa has experienced economic growth of between 6 5 and 6 percent. President Zuma says the integration of African regional economies is crucial to unlocking the continent's growth potential. These days... Africa has done something very important to accept the fact that without trade within itself, it would be weak. You can't have Africa being said is a growing economy, but the trade among itself is just 10%. And yet, the potential is huge. We have said we must develop and increase and expand the trade among the countries. That's why we talk about these regions being integrated. 
Tributes are pouring in for Sir Alex Ferguson, who has announced his intention to retire at the end of the current season. Reports over the future of the 71-year-old began sweeping Manchester earlier today. This after United's players were apparently told that the club would make a major announcement at the final home game of the season on Sunday. Sir Alex is British football's most successful manager. Former Manchester United goalkeeper Gary Bailey has described him as an incredible man. He's extremely kind, he's thoughtful, he's incredibly intelligent, he's hardworking. You put all that together and you come up with a great manager. I've never seen him talk about himself, he's not interested in promoting Alex Ferguson. It's always about the team. People see him on TV and think he's a tyrant, but he's not. Back home, the Western Cape Education Department has warned that learners who will bunk school for the Justin Bieber concert will face disciplinary action. The department spokesperson, Brona Casey, says schools are monitoring learner attendance. Meanwhile, principal of the Rustenburg Girls High School, Laura Becker, says they've made it clear to learners that it's a normal school day. School attendance today is normal, so there's not very much of a difference. The girls are aware that they need to be at school regardless of whether there is a um, a Justin Bieber concert. We'll have to see how it goes tomorrow. But uh, we have sent out the the normal communique to parents, say that school goes on as normal. We also send out a reminder that the department doesn't want absenteeism during this time. Recapping the top story, the Auditor General Terence Nombembe has confirmed that his office will investigate the use of state resources by the Gupta family. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Headlines at half past one. Over to Cape Town. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Otherwise, it is with me, Nancy Richards. It's uh, otherwise coming to you from Cape Town, talking women. I have to say it's a bit of a bipolar day down here in Cape Town, grey and drizzly, but at the same time, we're all feeling bright and sunny, sort of. But what we're talking about on this show today is, in fact, bipolar disorder. What is it? Who gets it and why? How do you deal with it in yourself and your family? So bipolar causes and coping. And we have with us in the studio, we have a complementary therapist, She's Suzanne Layton. She's uh, registered with the Allied Professional Health Council. But she has a very special interest in mental health and she's got some good advice for us. Plus, she's got all sorts of bits and pieces and information about where you can get help right across the country, which is very good. She's going to be organising a couple of workshops, one here in Cape Town, another one in uh, Port Elizabeth coming up very soon. So I'll give you all the details of that. We also have with us, uh, we're going to have somebody from the Depression and Anxiety Support Group. Her name is Nazia Ishmael, and she's a senior trainer there. And uh, we're going to start off by talking to somebody who is a sufferer. She's also uh, part of a support group, but she's, uh, she's a sufferer herself. So that's what we've got lined up. Not going to go the what's news because I think that there's, uh, I might be wrong, but I think there's quite a lot to say about bipolar. I think there are a huge amount of people who, who suffer, perhaps who suffer in silence. But there's a huge amount of people who suffer, who have suffered over a very long period of time, who you may be quite surprised to hear about. And uh, we had a Facebook message earlier from uh, Peter Francis Wormsley, thanks very much, who says the God complex is often associated with some bipolar disorders, makes the breakthrough a tad more difficult when you're working for God, he says. He also says you might like to explore some exceptionally successful people who have the disorder and during the manic phase are able to accomplish great deeds. Stephen Fry, the English actor personality, speaks about his battle with this disease. Well, thank you very much, Peter. And I did, in fact, do a little bit of homework and found a long, long, long list of well-known people who suffer. Let me just give you a few. 
Gave you a couple earlier there. Bobby Brown, Charles Dickens, Stephen Fry also, Mel Gibson, Ernest Hemingway, Jesse Jackson, Marilyn Monroe, Florence Nightingale, Isaac Newton, Nina Simone, Frank Sinatra, Ted Turner, Vincent van Gogh, maybe not so surprising, Amy Winehouse, maybe also not so surprising, Virginia Woolf and Catherine Zeta-Jones, but there are many, many more. So I think what we're going to do is investigate what it is and how it sets you back and if it's possible to overcome it. And if you've got experience, maybe something that you know about from personal experience or somebody in your family or friends, do let us know. The number is 08 nine two ten twenty ten we'd really like to hear your experience oh eight nine two ten twenty ten so that's what we've got going we've also let me just uh, say hi to suzanne hi suzanne thank you very much Hello. for coming in hi nancy nice to be here something that i think you know quite a bit about you've got a couple of workshops lined up very soon because in fact it's bipolar awareness day on may the 26th yes coming up very soon so also something to know and again, if you'd like to share 0892102010. Well, I think what we're going to do first and foremost, we're going to speak to Linda Trump. She herself is a sufferer, and I found her on the Bipolar Awareness website, which incidentally is bipolar.co.za, bipolar.co.za. And uh, we're going to start with her. Hi, Linda. Hi. Nice to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I think it's important to find out from somebody who has been there, knows it, and knows what it feels like to tell us tell us your story, Linda. How, how long have you had it? When was it diagnosed? How do you cope? I suffered from depression, and my first incident that I do remember quite well was when I was 13. I battled through that one on my own because I basically had a family that were very successful, very of go 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 so i kind of felt quite bad about the fact that i was feeling really low and i got through it subsequently i do remember a few depressive episodes at university etc and once again i pushed myself through them they got worse in my um basically my 30s with a couple of family deaths my late brother passed away when i was in my late 30s and three years later my mom and those were very kind of bad turning points for me and I think, I mean, I had the experience that many people have if they have bipolar 2, which is the not so mild, basically people think of it as a milder form of bipolar, but it is the, the form of bipolar where one has more depression, but the manias are mild manias, they're hypomanias, and they're actually very productive and, you know, the kind of periods where most people would love to feel like that. You feel very, um, you have heightened energy, Feel, you basically feel very productive, socially very at ease. You're able to focus for hours. And I think it's in that state, in fact, that many of those famous people were able to pull off that incredible work. Going into the higher mania, which bipolar 2 does not experience, you would then become out of touch with reality. You'd get into the excessive overspending, risk-taking, and so on. I think going back to my own history, though, and it's a very common bipolar 2 experience, Unfortunately, you know, you obviously seek help when you are feeling terrible, which is when you feel depressed. And I was misdiagnosed by more than one psychiatrist as having unipolar depression. The result is that you react badly to the drugs. The first experience is, in fact, that you feel very good. Subsequently, um, you know, you feel good, so you stop taking the drug after a few months, um, think everything's back to normal, then have another depression, and subsequently antidepressants do not work well they actually make you extremely agitated. And so my experience was that I kept on being diagnosed or misdiagnosed as having unipolar with anxiety and eventually, very fortunately, saw a psychiatrist who is 
an, an expression bipolar mood disorder and got the right diagnosis. Mm. That's quite a story. Um, unipolar, uh, it's not an expression I've heard of before, but basically that would just mean somebody who's suffering from depression? Correct. Okay, okay. Um, and I think we call it now bipolar disorder, but previously it's been known as manic depression. Manic depression describes bipolar 1, and I think that's why the bipolar term came about, and there was the differentiation between bipolar 1, which is manic depression, and there the manias are very extreme. There you would have, you know, that kind of extreme excessive spending where people would literally, um, you know, take loans of 100,000 rand plus, they would go and buy sports cars and do the most incredibly high risk and, and you know, basically not thought through decisions and, you know, often walk out of relationships, basically just decide to leave a job overnight or get kicked out of their jobs and often land up really with their lives in completely ruined. That's bipolar one. Bipolar two then, of course, is the milder version. And, in fact, you have numerous versions of bipolar. Bipolar three, for example, which is, is the kind of bipolar which often gets triggered by drugs. So a person who's been absolutely fine might take a drug that suddenly triggers a manic episode. When you say triggered by drugs, are you talking, um, are, are you talking recreational drugs? Um, could be. Yeah. And also some medical drugs would also possibly have that kind of effect. Right. And now, Linda, you've certainly got it together. You've been through, uh, been through quite something here to get to where you are now. Is it under control medically? Are you, being, are you under medication? Um, yes, yes I am. And then what is your advice to other people suffering? I mean, if somebody comes to you, if somebody phones you like I did out of the blue and says, how can you help me? What do you say? I think that it's a multi-pronged effort. Medication is at least half of the coping mechanism in terms of dealing with the illness. It's actually imperative that you do take it because um, although people stop and sometimes feel fine for a few months or even a couple of years, unfortunately, it is a cyclical illness and it will come back to bite you again, especially if you have a trigger like extreme stress in your life. And unfortunately, we all are likely to have that, be it in the form of a death, um, a job that goes wrong, something that just does not work out. The other side of bipolar also is that you sometimes, most people or a lot of people will need psychotherapy in terms of, first of all, the kind of problems that it has caused and the kind of thinking, the very negative, very um, sort of, um, what do you call it, basically people lose self-esteem. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult condition to mm -hmm. cope with. And so psychotherapy, especially in the early stages, is very valuable. And then also lifestyle management is really important. Very important for people with bipolar mood disorder to get enough sleep because lack of sleep very often triggers hypomanic or manic episodes, even depression as well. And also basically just a really good routine. Being out of routine tends to not work well with this condition. Obviously, you know, the standard things like eating well and also very, very important, especially for people, well, more for people in the depressive stages to do exercise. Gosh, aren't you a mine of information? We've got another mine of information here in the studio. We're going to be talking to Suzanne Layton in a minute. But just lastly from you, Linda, you mentioned your very successful family, which uh, who, who may or may not have understood how you were coping. How have you felt friends and family to cope with it? How have you managed to... Um, have you had to explain it to people? Are people sympathetic, understanding, or dismissive of your condition? I have found that basically both. People who have are informed obviously are 
generally understanding, although, you know, basically it's an illness that has very extreme, it can be a mild, there can be a mild form of it. There obviously can be an extreme form of it. So depending what people have been exposed to, sometimes they do have prejudice. And it's the sort of um, condition where you obviously choose not to discuss it with a lot of people. It can be to your detriment, unfortunately, to do so. Although I think that with greater awareness and greater understanding, there is more sympathy, there is more understanding. And I think basically the fundamental thing is to expose people to the reality of the fact that it's unfortunately quite a common illness. It is especially the misdiagnosis side of it. And that one has to deal with it. And in fact, with correct treatment, one can go on and actually live a very successful life. In fact, I think what's very noteworthy is that the people, the famous names that we've got, the ones that didn't live recently, um, basically managed in spite of the condition, which is quite amazing. And in fact, the names for me that have really stood out are the politicians like William Church, uh, sorry, Winston Churchill, um, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, who had bipolar too, and in spite of their severe depressions, were able to achieve a, a, a incredible, incredible feats. Well, hopefully you too are achieving great things, Linda. It certainly sounds like you're on top of it. And thank you for your very, very valuable advice. Very best of luck. Do stay listening, eh? That's a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. You're listening to Otherwise. We're talking about bipolar disorder. In the studio with me, I have Suzanne Layton, who's a complementary therapist. And on the line, I have a senior trainer from SADAG, the South African Depression and Anxiety Support Group. And uh, we've invited your calls, 0892 10 2010, and we have Jessica on the line from Cape Town, so I'm going to take her first. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Uh, hi. Yeah. Um, well, I was just um, phoning in to um, talk about a great resource um, for people with bipolar um, and, and other mental health issues. It's um, called Thrive Magazine. Oh, yeah. We've and, got two um, copies on the table right here. Oh, great. Okay, and, and I just wanted to, you know, let people know that um, it's, it's available and it's, it's, it's a great way for people to learn more about... Are you involved with it? Uh, yes, I am, yeah. Well, are you the editor? No, 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 I'm the social media consultant okay. and I also write for the magazine. Okay, that's excellent. Thanks very much, Jessica. Well, we do, in fact, have two copies of it on the table. Suzanne has brought them in, so thank you very much. We'll take your details and maybe we can speak again another day. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you very much. 0892 10 2010. In fact, I'm looking at this copy of Thrive magazine and I see there's a story... Uh, on Bonnie Henner overcoming the demons of depression. And uh, you might remember we spoke to Bonnie Henner right here on the show some little while ago. Going to be talking in a minute to Nazia from SADAG, so do stay with us, 0892 10 2010, if you'd like to join us. But let's take a quick break. Otherwise, on SAFM. You've got a cocktail party to attend and need a babysitter. Do you ask A, your mother? B, your neighbor, or C, your husband's mistress. When the family business is a casino, everything's a gamble. Watch the brand new South African drama series High Rollers every Tuesday night at 8.30, only on SABC3. Join me, Vuyombuli, this Thursday and Friday, the 9th and the 10th of May, as I come to you live from the Hotel Investment Conference Africa, HICAR, at Elangeni Hotel, Durban. 
Hika is a premier business-to-business networking platform focused on showcasing Africa as a viable investment destination for the hotel and hospitality sector. For more information, visit www.hika.co.za. This broadcast is made possible by the Tourism Business Council South Africa in partnership with the province of KwaZulu-Natal. Otherwise, here on SAFM, it's Wednesday, it's our help desk. We're talking about bipolar disorder. And we've got information coming at us uh, big time here, which is really interesting. Thanks very much to Jessica for phoning to tell us about Thrive magazine. In fact, the editor, Jenny Goy, is going to be one of the speakers at an event that's happening at Falkenberg Hospital on Monday the 27th here in Cape Town. Um, She is the editor and I think she's got a great deal to say, so that should be interesting. Um, We've got, uh, we've still got Nazia on the line, but I'm going to be taking another caller, Dr. Mkabai. Hi, doctor. Hi, Nancy. Hi, thanks very much for calling. Tell us your, your take. Okay, thanks, Nancy. I'm actually not phoning as a professional. I'm phoning as a sufferer myself. Okay. And um, I was diagnosed in 1997, and I think it was your caller earlier on that spoke about drugs uh, actually um, that could actually lead to a manic episode. And um, that's how I actually got my first manic episode. I was taking slimming tablets, and, um, and then I became manic, and that's how I got the diagnosis. But I, I think what is key, especially in our in our um, culture, the black population, mm. is that there's not much support. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of belief in witchcraft and, and and all sorts of things, which are actually my family as well educated as they were. Some of them actually thought, especially my mother, thought that I was bewitched. So I think I take mainly is just to say that families need to support people with bipolar and, and in fact any mental illness really, and it's very important to get family support. Uh, bipolar has got a lot of stigma, and it's unfortunate. I'm a medical doctor myself, and even some of my colleagues actually stigmatize people with bipolar. Mm-hmm. So I can't stress enough the importance of family and the importance of friends. And, um, you know, your other caller, Linda, I think it was, yeah. uh, actually mentioned a lot of important things. But for me, really, it, it, it's very important to support family yes, that yes. from mental illness. If I could just ask you, you said that there's not a lot of support in the black, black community. I, I imagine there's not a lot of support generally where people don't know really what it's all about. But the, the stigmatisation, is there a feeling perhaps even amongst the medical profession that if you've taken some tablets that have triggered the, the condition, then it's your yes. fault? Is that the issue? No, no, not really. Okay. And then see, I don't think so because I mean, uh, what, 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 I didn't take recreational drugs. Mm-hmm. I took a drug that was prescribed by a doctor to lose weight. Yeah. I don't think it's bad to say. It's just that um, uh, I, I don't know with with us doctors. I mean, even patients that have got other conditions like HIV get very stigmatized. Yeah. Uh, for, for some reason, people think that when you're a medical doctor, you 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 or, or anyone in the health in, in the health first. You, 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 you're not human, you know, you're not supposed to suffer from such things. Um, the, 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 the psychiatric illness in the black population, especially, has, has always been shrouded in, in, in mystery and uh, in, 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 I mean, there's a lot of, of people thinking that it's actually related to witchcraft and black magic. And that is very far from the truth. And I, I think even in terms of now being a professional and getting patients to come to seek treatment, a lot of treatment gets delayed because people are trying all sorts of other things. Yeah. 
and, 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 and you might even find that people get on treatment, but the, when they get well, they stop the treatment because they believe that they will be reached in the first place. And, um, I mean, it's been for me almost 16 years. And for a good 10 years, I actually didn't take my medication. I'd take it, and then I'd be well, and then I'd stop. And uh, the other thing with bipolar that actually is part of a diagnosis is the denial. And mm-hmm. uh, that's a major thing, denial of the illness. And until one accepts the illness, um, nothing will help. Yeah. Uh, you know. So it's, it's very critical that people stay on their medication, that they do the things that Linda said, they sleep, they don't take alcohol, they don't take drugs. You know, they have a routine, and, and very important is the family support for me. Just one last question for you, Doctor. Is it uh, reversible? It is unfortunately not. It's manageable, but it's a chronic illness. It will not go away. But if you keep on your medication and you do the things that the doctor says, you will be well. I mean, I've, I've, I'm a medical doctor. I specialize. Uh, I work. But if I don't take care of myself, I still do get relapses. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, just recently I was I was uh, hospitalized because I wasn't taking care of myself. So it's not treatable, but it's manageable. Yeah, yeah. And even more yeah. manageable, I would imagine, if you've got good support. Gosh, Dr. Mkabai, thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much for sharing that. I think there are a lot of very, very important points you've made there. Thank you. Listening to Otherwise here on SAFM, we're talking about bipolar disorder and we're hearing just how badly it can affect people and how many people it can uh, affect. Don't have statistics on that, but let's uh, let's talk to Nazia Ismail. She's from SADAG, from the South African Depression and Anxiety Support Group. Hi, Nazia. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure and I'm sure you will have been interested to hear what both Linda and our last caller have had to say. Um, do you get a great number of people phoning because they think they have bipolar? Do they know they have bipolar? What's the understanding of bipolar from the people who come to you? Unfortunately, the understanding of bipolar is not where we would like it to be. And this is what SADAG aims to change. You know, we get many calls from people around the country calling us saying, um, you know, I've heard a radio um, interview of, I've read this little article, or I've seen something about the word bipolar. Um, I've experienced some of the symptoms. Do you think it is bipolar? What do you think it is? Other times we get calls from people who explain the different changes in their mood, and they don't understand what is happening to them, and they just think it's something to do with their mind, and they give us a call. Unfortunately, people do tend to recognize the symptoms, but they don't understand what it is. And this is why we need to educate and create an awareness around the topic so that people can understand what bipolar is. Can, you, can you then tell us what it is? Well, bipolar is definitely a shift in, you know, in moods within a person. They generally follow a cycle of mood changes. The reason it's called bipolar is because there is two poles. Um, there is the manic phase where people are extremely elated, hyper, um, may do things out of character, extremely energetic. And then there is the depressive phase where they go, you know, extremely depressed, um, withdrawn from the world. Um, they don't completely understand what is happening uh, happening to them. Their suicide risk increases at that point, and they generally shift between these moods in a cycle. And it can be very, very destructive to their lives and to their families as well. Very difficult to to treat, um, as we heard from our earlier caller. There, it can be triggered by something. It can be. Can it be inherited? 
Yes, it can definitely be inherited. Um, it does tend to run in a family. Researchers have to have identified genes that may be linked to the disorder, but we must understand that sometimes it may be an underlying factor. And like it was mentioned earlier, you may take a certain drug or there might be a traumatic event in your life, and this may bring out the bipolar disorder that was there um, due to your genetic makeup. Does it happen in children as well as adults? Well, it does tend to happen. I mean, can you be born with it? You, it, generally, the onset is said to be between 18 and 25. That is the age group that has been recognized as the most common um, age group for the onset of bipolar disorder. So generally, that is the time you will notice these symptoms coming about. Male, female? It's generally between two. It's common. Um, it doesn't really matter. Anyone can you know, have bipolar disorder depending on your makeup and the types of stress that you experience in your life. Okay, because it's often said that depression, there are more... Women suffer more more from depression than men. I, I, I have no idea if that's true or not, but bipolar doesn't bipolar, seem to... Bipolar, it affects anyone. Yeah. Anyone, all races? All races, anyone at all, no matter where you come from, what your history is. You, may, you, you, know, you do have an equal chance of having bipolar. And lastly, Nazir, in terms of treatment, I mean, the, the South African Depression and Anxiety Support Group, you can take people's calls, people can come in. Generally speaking... Are you able to help them for any period of time, or do you come in and then refer them? SEDEC works in a system of contain, counsel, and refer. We have our bipolar helpline, which is the 0800 70 80 90 number, and here people can call us in, and we will work on a system of contain, counsel, and refer. We will firstly contain the situation, whichever state they're in, whatever they're experiencing. We will counsel them to the best of our ability, and then from there we will refer them onto someone within the area who will be able to help them as much as possible, no matter how much money they earn or their social status. And just lastly, do you find do you get an increasing amount of inquiries about it? Yes, we do, and this is why you know it's coming to the forefront. People are speaking up about it, and this is why Bipolar Awareness Day is so important. Yeah. By having the workshop, SEDEC, you know, SEDEC aims to support all the mental health awareness days, and bipolar disorder is one of the very important ones. We aim to have workshops around the country in order for people to understand bipolar and to bring about that awareness and reduce the stigma and, and the shame that's attached to the disorder as well. Nazir Ismail, thank you so much. I'm going to give out all the SADAG details right now. Thank you and very best of luck. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Nazir is from SADAG, and if you'd like to know more, their website is sadag.co.za, S-A-D-A-G.co.za. The number she gave there was 0800 70 80 90, equally 0800 21 22 I'm going to put all those details up on our Facebook page. We're going to be talking shortly to Suzanne Layton, who is uh, something of a specialist who's organising workshops here in Cape Town and in Port Elizabeth here in the studio. But if you'd like to give us a call, 0892 10 2010. News headlines, 1.30 with Asanda. Thank you, Nancy. Good afternoon. The Mediclinic Hospital Group has defended the cost of private health care in South Africa. Roly Bays, the founder or the Funda Relations Executive at Mediclinic, has been reacting to government's announcement that competition authorities are to investigate costs in the private health care industry. 
The Democratic Alliance says it's pleased that the Auditor General will conduct an investigation into the so-called Gupta Gate saga. That's after a jet airways plane carrying around 200 wedding guests landed at the Vatatglof Air Base in Pretoria. And tonight's Justin Bieber concert at the Cape Town Stadium will see believers dancing in the rain. The Cape Town Weather Service has warned of a strong chance of showers this evening. That's too bad. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Details at 2. Over to you, Nancy. Asanda, why do I think that you really don't so much mind if it rains on all those believers? <laughs> I don't mind because my kids won't be there, but I'm thinking about the kids that will be. <laughs> yeah, shame. Eh? Anyway, it's going to be one mother of a great big event. It certainly was last night. The Bon Jovi concert was packed. Cape Town was absolutely heaving, so I'm sure they're going to have lots of fun. Thank you. You're listening to Otherwise, we're talking about bipolar disorder, but before we do that, let's uh, get a little bit of info from the tennis, the Soweto tennis. We've got Natalie on the line. Hi, Natalie. Good afternoon to you, Nancy. Well, almost all the quarterfinal spots have been decided. We're just awaiting on one match at the moment, which is out on court number two, and that is uh, Nicole Melikar of the United States up against the number two seed, Julia Glasgow of Israel. Glasgow actually had to go through the quarterfinals, or at least the qualifiers, to make it through to this stage because she hadn't signed in for the tournament uh, before the cutoff stage. So she's been through the qualifiers made it through to round two and right now she is leading she won the first set six three and she's up five three in the second set early on we saw south africa's chanel simmons beat her fellow south african natasha foraklis in straight sets six three and six two simmons is the number five seed for the tournament and she does feel that she is playing well she got quite a workout in center court though she says from fellow south african foraklis but uh, she's very interested to see what's going to happen tomorrow if glasgow does come through in that match on court number two she will meet chanel simmons in the quarterfinals. They do know each other. They've played each other before and it is a 1-1 in their previous record. So it should be a very interesting quarterfinal. The number one seed also got through to the quarterfinals, Tamir Babos of Hungary. She got through in three sets over Pemra Osgin of Turkey. Didn't get through as easy as she probably would have expected. She won the first set 6-2, lost the second set 6-4, but then won the final set 6-1. Natalie Jamanis for SAFM Sport. Thanks very much, Natalie. Otherwise, it is here on SAFM. It's our help desk talking about bipolar disorder. And if you'd like to give us a call, 0892102010, Domisani, if you wouldn't mind just holding on, because in the studio we have Suzanne Layton. She's a complementary uh, therapist. She's registered with the Allied Professional Co- Health Professional Council. And she's going to be organising, well, she is organising uh, two workshops, one uh, Saturday the 25th in Port Elizabeth and one in Cape Town on Monday the 27th. That's on either side of uh, Bipolar Awareness Day, which is on the 26th. Suzanne, thank you very much. And so far you haven't said a word, but I know that you've been listening with great interest to what all our callers have had to say. Um, And one of the things you said, well, we've dealt with the, um, you know, all the technicalities of it. We know what it is. I suppose the big question is, how do we deal with it? Uh, Not least the stigma of it. But physically, how do you propose that people deal with it? Thanks, Nancy. Um, Linda spoke about a multi-pronged approach, so Mm. I'd like to just reiterate on what she said. And I think that what people need to look at is self-care, support, therapy, education, and medication. And it's not that one is more important than the other. You need, actually, if you're interested in helping yourself, to do all. So the self-care is good eating, because what you eat definitely affects your mood. You need to drink enough water, 
so that your body can function, but also so that any of your meds can be flushed out. You need to sleep enough because lack of sleep is definitely a trigger. And exercise is brilliant because it's low cost. It burns off any of the mania and can burn off that excess energy that can be causing a problem, but it also shifts you out of the lethargy of depression. So that's what you need to do for yourself. Then you need to find a way um, of self-expression. So it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's dancing or singing or painting or writing, as long as you've got some means of being heard and or, or creating something, um, finding a means of self-expression. This mm. is what I think is important. Your whole, she mentioned lifestyle, and I think stress management is vital. Mm. So obviously the sleeping and the eating and the exercise can manage your stress, but whatever you do, whether it's meditation or prayer or yoga or um, hanging out with good friends, um, having, having a balance between your work and your social life and so on. So your stress management is very important. And I think it's quite helpful to have some kind of monitoring system that you set up for yourself. So you could find that your nagging mum or your bossy husband actually make things worse. So if, while family might be helpful, your immediate family may not always be helpful. And then you need to find a loyal, trusted friend who you will listen to. Um, uh, you, you kind of set that up so that someone can say to you, you know what, I think you better go and do da-da-da, or why don't you go and see your doctor, or I've been noticing this, and you won't feel offended by it. Now that you set up for yourself. And while it's very nice, if you have got a supportive family, we don't all have that. And I think if you are interested in getting better, you need to find that for yourself. And that moves us on to support. We've talked about family. Um, if you're in a position to tell the people that you work with what you're dealing with, that can sometimes help. It can also introduce problems with stigma. Yeah, um, so you need to be careful about how you address that. But possibly you could organize a, a workshop and so on within your workplace or at school or something like that, which is what I do. And I find that's very helpful because people can talk about it when possibly you haven't got the symptoms yourself or you don't know anybody, but you learn about what to do before it becomes an issue. So it's almost a bit preemptive, which is quite nice. But the best means of support, which is free, is what we call intentional peer support, which is your traditional support groups. And groups like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, have been functioning for years with great success. And SADAG on their website have got lists of support groups. And if anyone's interested, I've got quite a comprehensive list of support groups in the Western Cape, you can email me on suzl at mweb.coza and I can send you that list. And then sometimes people go to more than one group because they want more, they want more than support once a month. It's not enough. I'm going to stop you there, Suzanne, because that's a hugely uh, important list. And I'm thinking how much you can actually do for yourself, but how important friends are. I was part of a panel discussion last night about anxiety. And, uh, and it's amazing how, you know, so many people sort of cited that if you walk and talk with other people and have other people around you, it's, it's less of the isolation. But I also like to take uh, Dumisani, who's been waiting patiently, 0892 10 2010, if you'd like to give us a call. Hi, Dumisani, sorry to keep you waiting. Hi, Michelle. Hi, good afternoon. Yes, what, what, uh, tell us your experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm Michelle. Uh, uh, it's Nancy. I'm, I'm, I'm one of, of your colleagues. I'm, I'm working for the SAPC in the okay. newsroom in Durban. Okay. Uh, I have happened to have a nephew. A, a very brilliant boy, a, a very 
a child that any mother or any father would like to have, or any uncle or nephew that he'd like to have. He is bipolar, a very intelligent boy. He was working with the Department of, uh, uh, in the IT division in the Free State uh, Department, uh, in Free State Government. Uh, unfortunately, we have discovered that my nephew has got bipolar. He has had some suicidal thoughts and uh, he was uh, restrained from committing suicide. This young man has never smoked and never drank in, in, in his life. And um, a 100% baby, uh, you know, that any parent would love to have. And uh, unfortunately, he was discovered to to be suffering from bipolar. He has been away from where for over a, a year now. And unfortunately, the wife is a young man. The wife does not understand this. As a result, she is divorcing him okay. because of, 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 of the effect that the medication he is taking, uh, because of snoring that he, he has. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a sad story. And I have tried to do some stories as well this side because just last year, one uh, teacher was killed by the police. And it was discovered that the young man was bipolar. He was a teacher at a school, at a school just outside Devon, a mathematics and science teacher. But he, he, his reaction or whether he needed some medication, he ended up being violent at mm. the hospital, and he had a firearm with him. And when he produced the firearm, the police thought that, you know, uh, the, the, the hospital staff was under siege or was being attacked. And they ended up shooting this young man, and he was shot dead. You know, it's such a, a very... It's a rare uh, disease among young, uh, among African people, so to say. Although maybe it has been there, it's just that African people have never been educated to understand the bipolar. Because everybody who showed some uh, signs of mental disorder, it was so easy, particularly pre-1994, it was so easy for, for the head institutions for, to send that particular patient into a mental hospital. Yeah. I don't know how many times my nephew have been in a, a mental hospital in Bloemfontein and this young man because I also uh, followed it up yeah. and also tried to see if people are being uh, educated to understand well, what Dumisani, we're going to leave it at that, but I think you've done a, it, just in the few minutes that we've had you on the air, I think you've done a great deal of educating, and it's very, really interesting to hear what you have to say, but devastating to hear about this young man um, and the other young man that you talked about. And I suppose in, in its most extreme form, bipolar can lead to all sorts of... Um, antisocial behavior and which is so Dumisani do keep up the good work keep up the education and, and thank you very much for sharing it's my pleasure Take thank care. you very thank much you. 0892 10 2010 gosh Suzanne what a what a collection of uh, rather shocking stories but I think it's a it's a really good point that Dumisani is making is that what he's saying is that um, African people or black people maybe bipolar doesn't occur so much within the black community. Maybe it does, it's just not recognized, as, as our earlier caller said, seen as witchcraft. It, it's, it's a very difficult thing to deal with. 
It's very difficult, and the the worst part of it is the stigma, mm. and therefore it's very lonely, and and because people are silent about it. And I think one of the reasons I talk about it is because when I say to people, I've been hospitalised a few times for mania, and and look, I'm f- a functioning mother and a practitioner, and I work and I have a social life, and da da da, and and you know, if I can do it, why can't you? And I think they're encouraged are you, are you by also that. Also a sufferer. I was diagnosed bipolar one, and with a lot of work, all the things that Linda described and the things that I suggested as well. I've been very level for a long time um, and I've been running a support group for six years and I think I learned a lot from them too, Mm. but we created a space where we learned from each other. There isn't really anyone in charge because it's very leveling. And um, But what happens in the workshops is that you don't feel so alone. Suddenly you discover somebody that is experiencing a similar thing to you. And the, the wonderful thing too is that a woman can talk to a youngster um, and communicate with them, whereas her own child won't listen to her. And vice versa, the, the, the teenager who thinks the, the mother doesn't know anything because teenagers know everything might listen to another adult that they come into contact with. And our workshops are usually quite interactive. They're not just me standing up there telling people a yeah, whole lot of facts. Yeah. We get people to talk to each other. And let me get the details of the workshop that's happening here in Cape Town, Bipolar Awareness, and everybody is welcome of all communities. It's happening uh, on the 27th of May, between 10 and 12 noon that's on the Monday and the one in Port Elizabeth is happening on the 20 uh, 25th of May between 8.30 and that's a Saturday between 8.30 and 1 and I I guess I urge everybody to go uh, just to understand a little bit more because from what you're saying it sounds like the extremes are both equally equally difficult to deal with whether you're in a sort of suicidal depression or a sort of completely manic over the top phrase you're suddenly out of control and at great risk and equally dangerous because you can start doing Mm. things that are actually very dangerous and kill yourself in the mania as well as um, with the you know suicidal depression one of the things you highlight was the what did you call them the intentional support group yes uh, intentional peer support it's just a peer support yeah um or you know aka a good friend Um, which is equally important but finding the good friend is difficult and it seems so cruel that it should be incumbent upon the person who's suffering to have to educate other people yes it is it is like that but the thing is that uh, organizations like SADAG and the workshops that we do actually are educating the the public and of course the Thrive magazine is brilliant and the nice thing about Thrive is that they don't talk so much about the terrible side of the bipolar mm-hmm. they talk about what you can do so it's um, it's much more uplifting and, and hopeful. Talking of what you can do and I, I want to get on to triggering in a minute what uh, what you can do is not only have a very good and successful uh, very good uh, healthy happy life you can also have an enormously successful one Look Look at all the people, the names of the people who are sufferers, Winston Churchill, Abe Lincoln, Roosevelt, Charles Dickens, Stephen Fry, the list goes on. Nina Simone, who knew? Um, I think that... um, Is is there something about a person who's a bipolar sufferer that has a potential for greatness? Well, you know, I think that um, it may only be something... No, I think I think this is this is a, a truth, although it could be questioned. Is that people who suffer from bipolar tend to be very intelligent, very creative, and often very very sensitive. And it's the sensitivity which I believe gives them the ability to be brilliant poets and be very astute and writers and and be extremely talented. But it's also that sensitivity which creates a problem because they're too sensitive. They're picking up too much stimuli and they're getting overstimulated. 
and they either get exhausted, which drags them down into depression, or the overstimulation pulls them up into mania. And I think that's what one has to learn to do. I think yeah. in, in my work with working with people and, and healing and talking to them about their conditions and then using touch, aromatherapy and reflexology and so on to help them manage their stress, the sensitivity makes me good at what I do, but the too much sensitivity can be a trigger. Yeah, yeah sure. Anonymous on the line. Hi there. Yes, I just want to ask, um, every time I've had a good event, whatever it is, uh, training, I'm a trainer, teaching, running a workshop, whatever, I, I get very low afterwards. Should I be worried what's happening there? Okay, Anonymous, just can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. We're, very we're battling to hear you. Very briefly, your concern is that every time you do some sort of workshop, afterwards oh. you feel very low. Every time I get, you know, I do something well, whether it's a workshop or an event at home or a church, whatever, wherever, as long as I've had a good event, after that I, I get very low emotionally. Okay. We, Anonymous, we're going to have to let you go, I'm afraid, because we can hardly hear you and we're just about out of time. But do stay listening because we're going to give you some uh, websites that you can have a look at. In, in fact, www.bipolar.co.za. Suzanne, do you have a website as well? You gave us your No, email I've just got address. an email address, suzl at mweb.coza okay. for support group lists and details of the workshops and if anyone wants to see me professionally individually. Um, but can I just comment on what this anonymous yes, caller yes, um, yes. said? Is that very often when you're working towards something, you actually give it your all. And I suspect that it's almost like it's... Um, it, uh, you. We're putting, it's so important, and, and obviously that extra effort makes it go well, that possibly afterwards you get a little bit exhausted. And I think that, um, think about scheduling your week. Don't put anything the day before so that you don't stress yourself before the workshop. And the day after, if you have any, con any control over your diary, see if you can make that day a little bit open too, to pick up the threads and so on, so that you're actually pacing yourself. And then you can put in the extra effort to make it good, but not exhaust yourself yeah, at the same yeah. time just an idea sadly we are out of time but uh, anonymous i think the words that suzanne used was self-care and i think maybe it's a matter of looking after yourself first it's been so interesting thank you very much suzanne layton and uh, once again we're going to put all the details of all the websites and the workshops and etc on our facebook page which is otherwise on safm otherwise on safm and if there's anything you've missed you can contact us directly which otherwise at safm.ca Thanks very much, Hazel, Mike Rosini and Rob Parkin. And thanks very much to you, Suzanne Layton. Two very, very interesting workshops coming up in Port Elizabeth and in Cape Town around Bipolar Awareness Day on May the 26th. Up next here on SAFM, it's Sharp Sharp, the children's programme. Sharp Sharp, children's programme on SAFM with Leon Fisser. And it is Sharp Sharp, it's Sharp Sharp. Good afternoon, listeners. I am Leon Fisser, and you are listening to the Sharp Shop Children's Show on SAFM. I have a special superstar guest in the studio with me today, and his name is Blessing. Hello. Good day, listeners. 
Today we are going to be talking about colors and the difference it makes in our lives. favorite colors. Imagine if all the world looked the same. If everything was the same color. The, um, the world would look boring and it would look colorful and nice. Yes, it would be very boring. So what's your favorite color, Blessing? My favorite color is red, blue and green. Magic! Well, mine is yellow. Colors make the world look beautiful, but they also help us to understand things better. Why are colors important, Leon? Well, when you are in the car or taxi with your mom or dad and the robot turns red, what does that tell you? Red means you must stop. Yeah, that's right, Blessing. Now, would you eat a green banana? E no. Yeah because a green banana isn't ripe and it would give you a tummy ache. See, colors tell you when some fruit is ripe and ready to eat. Now let's think about nature. Blessing, do you know what animal can actually change color? Yes, I know a lizard. No. Bullfrogs? I'll give you a hint. They move very slowly and have long tongues. Ooh, I know, it's a chameleon. Spots on, Blessing. Chameleons will be light in color in a light place. And if it's hiding in a dark place, it will be dark in color. They protect themselves by changing color. Now here's something interesting. In the bird kingdom, we can often tell which is a male bird because he is often more colorful than the female. Like peacocks. The female peacock stays dull and brown, whereas the male peacock is brilliant shades of blues and greens. See if you can find a picture of a male peacock at home or at school. Or you could visit our Facebook page at Shop Shop on SAFM if you want to see a photo of this beautiful bird. And sometimes a very special colorful thing happens on a rainy day after a storm. Can you guess what it is? Um, the sun starts shining um, and the clouds that are covering the sky um, clear the sky and you just see blue and a rainbow. You did to dream 
What a moving song and what a beautiful voice. Somewhere Over the Rainbow, performed by the talented TK. Off the album, The Best of TK. So color makes the world interesting and beautiful, but it also helps us to make our way through the world. To understand things better and to express ourselves. We are going to learn more about colors in the next few episodes, so do tune in. A big thanks to the Shop Shop team, Kim Winter and Cathy Lowers. 
And because we've been talking about colors today, we are going to play out with a song I wrote a little while ago. It's about all the colors in the national flag. Here it is. Keep it sharp, sharp. Our national flag, it is red, it's green, it's black and it is blue. It's yellow, it's white, it is beautiful, it's true. It is red, it is green, it's black and it is blue. It's yellow and it's white and it's beautiful, it's true. Ooh, 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 it is beautiful, it's true. Ooh, 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 it is beautiful. It is beautiful like you.